For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You work hard for your money. Are you sure it's working hard for you? You could be sure with Merowest Credit Union. As a credit union, Merowest is all about people, you and me. So they do the right thing by offering us better rates, greater choices, and better service. Merowest Smart Rewards Checking is a perfect example. It's a checking account that pays you with rates up to 18 times the national average. Really, check it out at merowest.com. And service? Merowest takes pride in what they do. Experience it. Your dreams and Merowest's values just go together. Consider Merowest today. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. B-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. Hurts, eating, first down, and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. Oh, look who we got. <laughs> Ed. Hey. Thank you. Did, did the yeah, show start? Did I miss anything? Uh, we, we we talked about the Xavier Howard. We'll get into it. Okay. Uh, we had seven viewers, and it's great engagement tonight, man. So I've just been going back and forth with them. But um, Yeah, sorry. Talking- had some uh, technical difficulties there. That's all right. We got seven viewers. We're, we're rocking. Everybody's hyped. They're good to see you. Everybody's glad. <laughs> so... I'm telling everybody that I'm looking at this running back corpse and we're talking about what the impact because I wrote about kind of game all this week for Sports Illustrated and I've, I'm going to write about carry on Johnson because if you if you look at this back and you look what Nick Sirianni is coming from and Kevin Batool is coming from what they're accustomed to is they're accustomed to balancing the offense and Frank Wright ever since he's left Philadelphia the offense has not been balanced. So you can already tell that's one thing that they've instilled with Frank Reich, and that's what they're going to bring to Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts' real first year as a starting quarterback. So you see what they're doing, Ed. on Johnson and Jordan Howard are fighting for that LeGarrette Blunt-type role, right? The physical-type dominant runner because Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell aren't going to be that. Boston Scott might be the Jordan Wilkins, the fourth running back of that crew. I think he is. I think they're going to keep four running backs. I think he will be the Jordan Wilkins type where he makes an impact on special teams and he's good on short yardage. Kenneth Gainwell is going to be nine Hines. Absolutely. 100%. He's going to be just like nine Hines. And then Miles Sanders is pretty much your Marlon Mack. So I think that's what they're going to try to implement with the backfield so they can balance the offense out for Jalen Hurts. And, and not only that, Jalen Hurts is this, probably the second best runner on this team. So what do you think, man? Do you think you think this is going to be the year that they really balance the rushing attack where the Eagles finally write the ship? Because ever since Frank Reich has been gone, you know it. It's been rough and tough sledding running the ball. Yeah, I, I mean, it, they they were on record uh, as saying that they want to use play action a lot. I mean, this is going to be, I think, if Jeffrey Lurie allows them to run the ball, you know, because Jeffrey Lurie loves to pass the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I think you're going to see a lot of from this Eagles team is you're going to see a lot of runs and it's going to set up the play action. You're going to see a lot of uh, motion. A lot of players will be in motion. 
giving defenses different looks, and they could run out of those looks. You know, they'll put the wide, a lot of eye wash, as it's called, receivers going, you know, left, right, um, tight ends getting up, crossing the line, going down, and then they run the ball. Um, and then that sets up the play action. I think that's what they want to do. Um, but, you know, we know Lurie wasn't happy after the Eagles won in Green Bay a couple years ago uh, when they ran the ball successfully. He kind of said, well, how, why aren't we throwing? Even after the Super Bowl, he wasn't that happy that they – I go right back to that Chicago game and that playoff game where he was disgusted with the offensive performance. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, you know we, we've seen him cast this big shadow over the organization uh, more and more recently. And then, you know, where there was a, a scene at the final practice on June 4th where he's kind of standing on the field with the hands behind his back looking like a general looking at the troops. I mean, he, you know, clearly he's being seen and I'm sure he's being heard. So, you know, hopefully Suriani and his staff will be given the freedom to run what they want to run. Um, because I think they are going to want to run, run the ball. You know, they have the four backs, like you mentioned, um, you know, whoever they'll be. Uh, obviously, Sanders and Gainwell are, are locks. And, you know, maybe they go Sanders and carry on Johnson or, or uh, Jordan Howard. Um, but they're going to they're going to want to run the football um, and they're going to want to set up that play action. And play action only works it, uh, when you're successful running the football. Would you trade for Xavier Howard? You know that all the contract stuff in Miami is going on right now. You know Darius Slay's cap hit is pretty high next year. We debated if they even bring him back. We don't know because that not at that cap number, it's not going to happen. And yeah. he's up there in age. And Xavier Howard's younger. You know, I I was telling the live stream earlier. I think he has a right to feel the the way he does about the money because Miami brought in a corner that they paid more. And you know, in some opinion, maybe Xavier Howard's opinion, he's better than Byron Jones. And he thinks he deserves more money than Byron Jones. And they also drafted a corner in the first round. So it's not like Miami might not be, you know, felt they might feel compelled to make this move. Would you be comfortable giving up a first round pick for Xavier Howard? Well, you know, I, listen, I know that he feels like Byron Jones is getting paid more than him, but he just redid his contract last year. And I'm always all for players getting what, you know, they're going to get paid. I mean, I don't have a problem with them getting paid, but. You know, I kind of have a problem with after one year, you're already griping about what you're making um, and you want to get a, a contract renegotiation done after just one year. That that doesn't really sit right with me. Is he talented? Absolutely. I mean, the guy had 10 interceptions last year. Um, you know, the last had, four years, man. He's got, he's, last four years. he's got 18, I think, the last three years. How many did he, in the three 22 years? last four years, man? They haven't, the Eagles haven't had that type of interception success as Asante Samuel. Oh, no, no. I mean, you know, I think their last cornerback to lead the team in interceptions was probably Rasul Douglas. I think he had three yeah, uh, one year. Probably got like the most. I think Brandon Boykin had six one season, and that's probably the most Eagles have had since in, in years. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, clearly he would be a huge, huge upgrade. Do you want to part with that? You know, one of those uh, number one picks, you have a guaranteed two of them. You know, you have Miami's. Would you give Miami back their draft pick in exchange for Xavier Howard? Uh, you know what? If if the money fits, if Howie Roseman and his crew can figure out a way to make the money work, yeah, I would I would do it. I would trade for Xavier Howard. I would upgrade. I think he's what, 20, 28 years? I think he's 26. He's young. Yeah. He's I mean, pretty we, young. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I would do that. But you're going to have to find the money. Because I'm not sure Slay will be back next year. In fact, I'm pretty sure Slay won't be back next year. So you have to hope that, you know, somebody's going to step up this year. But if you bring in Howard, 
then Howard becomes your number one next year, and you hope maybe McPherson's developed or Michael Jaquette or Josiah Taylor, whoever you're going to run out there. Maybe Avante Maddox has grown as the outside corner. I mean, but then you would have another number one after uh, Darius Slay leaves. Right, and that's my point. Yeah. Look, I'm high on what Jonathan Gannon can develop in Zach McPherson. I am. I, I Jonathan Gannon single-handedly gets credit for what he what happened with Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore called him his favorite coach. Like what Kenny, what he did with Kenny Moore is on drafted free agent to the best slot corner in the NFL. I have all the faith in the world that he can take Zach McPherson and turn him into maybe that type of. I don't want to say that type of quality player, but at least a really good starting corner, at least a nickel. But yeah, let's I, not put too much on his plate. Let's not ask to say develop Michael Jaquette to be our next cornerback one when we cut Darius Slay because the cap hits too much. Let's put it, let's give him in position to already get that cornerback one. All right, Jonathan, you find out, you figure out the rest. We gave you that one. This team, whether it's Jim Schwartz, Billy Davis, even Andy Reid, after Alito Shepard left and Sean Brown left, they haven't been able to develop a corner at no, all. This, no. is a, this is an organizational failure. This is a, a GM that can't figure out corner at all because I remember. You know, the, the craziest story I've heard about Harry Roseman so far that's not really widely reported is that during the 2013 draft, Chip Kelly wanted Zach Ertz. And another person in the building wanted Darius Slay in the second round. Out of all those players, out of those two players, Howie Roseman wanted Jonathan Banks, a cornerback that was a teammate of Darius Slay at Mississippi State, and he ended up being a bust. So he he has a horrible track record with drafting and developing corners. Go get Xavier Howard. Go get Xavier Howard. Like don't even waste time. If you're gonna move on from Darius, like you, I I completely agree with you. I think they are. If it's, Darius has to get at least a, the Eagles have to go show that they're a playoff caliber team to Darius Slay for him to take less money to come back next year because he needs. He's at the end of his career. He's gonna want to be a playoff. On a playoff caliber team, I don't know if it's about money with him anymore. He's already done the Eagles a couple favors, so I don't know if it's about money with him anymore. But he's gonna, they're going to have to show him that they're a playoff caliber team for him to come back next year at a lower rate. And if he doesn't, Jaquette hmm. McPherson, I think is a slot. So I, I, yeah, don't, I don't know about that. I'm not sure about that. I think McPherson's going to be given a shot on the outside. I think he can play on the too. outside. Kenny uh, Moore can play on – Kenny Moore plays both inside-outside. You and yeah. I know the most. In this system, you need to play every single position. Right. You need to right. be able to be versatile. So I agree with you that I think McPherson can fare on the outside too. But uh, if I have to pencil him in for a position, I don't think Avante Maddox is the slot corner of the future. I do think it's McPherson. But I do think you're right. I think he could be versatile and be on the outside. If you're putting two corners on the field, you're hoping McPherson is the guy that they develop to be that cornerback too then. Yeah, but here's the thing: if you bring in Howard, and who Howard, by the way, will be 28 years old on the fourth of July. Um, so, you know, if you bring him in, that gives you the luxury of letting McPherson get his feet wet in the NFL. Gives Chiquette another year to kind of learn. Um, you know, th- these guys will play, but there won't be that kind of pressure and stress on them to, you know, be lights out and and feel the weight of the world and the weight of the Philadelphia fan base coming down on them as they grow. And you hope that. Uh, you know, one of the reasons this staff was brought in, guys like um, Jonathan Gannon, who has this history with working with D-backs, and Denard Wilson, who's done a good job with the defensive backfield where he's been. You know, you hope that, you know, they can develop guys. I know Howie, you know, can't find a cornerback to save his life. Um, but, listen, it's now in the coach's hands to do what they can with McPherson 
and then whoever they might draft next year. But I think the bringing in Howard gives you the luxury of letting these kind of guys kind of grow uh, without the stress and pressure that they would normally feel being counted on so heavily as your number one cornerback or number two cornerback, I guess, behind Slay. But still, you're in a position where there's a lot of pressure on you. Howard takes all that away. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny. I, you know, I, I love Jonathan Gannon. I love what he brings to the table. I think he's going to be a great defensive coordinator. But at some point, you know, you can't trust it. You can't really trust a GM to bring in all this talent because he's proven track record. He can't. I'm most right. excited to have Gannon just to see Kayvon Wallace thrive. I loved that we drafted him. Yeah. Kayvon Wallace can have a huge role this year. I, I, I don't know if anybody watching right now viewing is a huge football junkie like I am, but I wrote this article about this. And Ed, Ed's my editor. He reads every single thing and adds great context to everything else and makes the articles just beautiful. But so he sees what I write. Uh, when I put that cover two article out of what the safeties are going to be the over the top, Rodney McLeod and Anthony Harris, what they're going to do. I, I highlighted in there what I thought watching the film, what Kayvon Wallace is going to do for this team. And if you go back and you watch 2019 Colts defensive all 22, look for Kyrie Wilson in that. He plays that thumper safety around the Lions scrimmage role, and he did it extremely well. And I think that's what we're going to see here with Kayvon Wallace. And I think Kayvon Wallace will do the same because Kayvon Wallace is one of the best tacklers in Clemson history. And while he was there, it was, I would argue, during in coming out of that draft, was the one of the best tacklers coming out of that draft, uh, 2020 draft. So yeah. I'm excited for Kevin Wallace this year. I agree. I think I said it on the last episode. That's that's my guy who I picked to be the the standout, the the guy that not everybody's talking about. I think it's going to be Kevin Wallace for sure. And he's yeah. talked to Sports Illustrated about everything that he, he talked about his conversations with Darn Wilson. This great article I had on him. I mean, I, I really am high on Kevin Wallace. I really think that's a player that does step up. I agree. Yeah, he was your breakout player uh, and, you know, certainly a very good pick to be your breakout player, no doubt. Um, you know, I think Kayvon Wallace, you know, he did get some time last year and, uh, you know, he didn't play well against George Kittle in San Francisco, missed some assignments. And then for some reason, the Eagles parked him on the bench for a while. You know, they lost confidence in him or didn't believe in him. And, um, you know, I don't think you'll see that. I think this coaching staff will have a bit of a longer leash. Um, but these guys are going to have to come back at the end of July here, and they're going to have to be in their playbooks, and they're going to have to uh, demonstrate what they've learned and what they know about this playbook once the pads come on, and then we'll see. But, yeah, I like Kayvon Wallace. I think, you know, he will have a role in this defense. The Eagles need somebody, you know, on that back end, so to speak, to step up uh, because we don't know even what Rodney McLeod's status is going to be. Yeah, he says he'll be ready for the opener and – you know, he feels good and everything, but, you know, it, it's going to be about nine months to the season opener between that uh, season opener and his ACL surgery. And that's kind of right at the uh, border of being 100 uh, percent. You know, it takes a little longer for some guys, not as long as for some others. But I'm not sure how much McLeod is going to play in training camp, how much time he's going to get on the field. So you're going to need some of these guys to step up. You're going to need Kayvon Wallace to show what he can do. You, you might even see Avante Maddox. Uh, who we saw uh, play a little safety in some of these OTAs during uh, the spring here, um, play some early uh, safety, uh, which I think is probably his best position is safety. If you, you know, between corner and slot corner, I think he's better at safety. He played it in a pinch uh, a few years ago and he played it pretty well. Um, but yeah, I think guys like Kayvon are in position to be given the opportunities. And now they have to take off and run with them. Yeah. Marcus Epps, uh, Graylin Arnold. Yeah. 
all guys are going to have to show something to because you're right. If Rodney McLeod can't go in this scheme, the way that they're going to use the two safeties, it's going to have to be Epps out of all the players on the roster right now, unless Greer Arnold steps up and beats him out in camp. Or Maddox. Or Avante Maddox. Or Maddox, because that's what's crazy. You know, you need to write about that. Uh, I think you need to throw that out in the atmosphere, that it's a possibility, because I think it is. I think if if you're playing Maddox at safety, you might have worries about Rodney McLeod not being ready for the season opener. And if you're inheriting this team and you're trying to get to know the players and you see that Maddox played safety last year, I mean, excuse me, his rookie year, like you're talking about in 2018 when he plays uh, McLeod where he was injured, you might think, you know, why why don't we see if that works again? Because he's been struggling in a corner. Yeah. You, you might be onto something. You really might be onto something. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm just going kind of what I saw in the OTAs. I mean, he was getting safety time. And and I think that they, they're smart because I don't think they can assume that Rodney McLeod is going to be, you know, all better and well and good on September 12th. I mean, he's going to need some buildup time. And I'm not sure how much buildup time he's going to get in training camp. Um, you know, so it might be, you know, Rodney McLeod could, I know he wants to get out there day one and, and compete. Uh, but I think they're going to be careful with him. He's on the plus side of 30. Um, you know, I could see him missing maybe the first couple weeks of the season. And then I think you're going to see who's going to step up. And I really think Maddox could be that guy that's going to step in uh, and play that role. He's got the experience. He's, this is his fourth year in the league. Um, you know, we saw Jalen Mills move back to safety. And I listen, I know a lot of people don't feel that strongly about Jalen Mills, but I really thought Jalen Mills was a big part of the defense, uh, really? you know, coming onto this team as a seventh round pick in 2016. And, uh, you know, the New England Patriots certainly felt a lot for Jalen Mills. They paid him a lot of money. So they think highly of him, but I just think his flexibility being able to go from corner to safety, safety to corner really helped this team. And uh, that's something that's very underrated. Everybody looks at Mills as faults. Um, So now the Eagles are going to have, maybe Maddox is going to be the next Mills being able to bounce back and forth from corner to safety. Very possible. Very possible. Absolutely. And no, you know, who actually played corner pretty well, the slot corner position, Kevin Wallace at Clemson. Yeah. The slot. So a lot of versatility in the secondary that the Eagles can do with this. Because uh, Anthony Harris, Rodney McLeod, uh, Avante Maddox, you, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. And I know everybody's like, or they're all thinking, what are we going to do at cornerback two? And you and I have been preaching, like, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. It's going to be a little bit better. The scheme's going to actually mask these deficiencies. But I really would, and I, I know I started the show off straight saying trade for Xavier Howard, but I still think even if they don't make that move, uh, the secondary is going to be so much improved, so much improved. Anthony Harris is going to make such a huge impact. Yeah, I agree with you. And then, you know, listen, I just saw that comment there. And Jacoby Stevens is somebody we're kind of forgetting, too. Well, you know, he's going he's to be in that safety linebacker hybrid role. You know, if he comes in and shows he can play safety, which he did at LSU, I mean, why rush him to play linebacker? You know, if you need him back on that back line, if Rodney McLeod's not ready and he has a good training camp, then it could be Jacoby Stevens. Um, at least until Rodney comes back. So listen, I'm excited. Even if they don't bring in Xavier Howard or any other corner, Steven Nelson, I'm excited to see what they do with these guys, these kind of under the radar guys, because you said yourself, guys like Kenny Moore uh, really blossomed in Indianapolis in the right scheme. And I think this coaching staff is smart. Um, and, and I think they're going to play to whatever players' strengths are. Uh, and we might see some really – we might see more than the one breakout candidate in Kayvon Wallace. We may see two or three on that defense kind of rise up and open everybody's eyes. 
know who's really going to open people's eyes up this year, Ed? Javon Hargrave. Okay. I really think Javon Hargrave is going to thrive in this scheme, at least as a one tech, I would assume. Uh, I'm, I really think, you know, people underestimate how good he was last year. I'm, I'm being honest. People really do underestimate how good he was last year. I know it was a slow start. And again, this is coming to a new scheme with no OTAs. He was injured. Let's not forget that he was injured. Yep. I know like every fan in the world likes to ruin that context to players. They don't care. They want to see what have you done for me lately. I get how Philadelphia works. I completely understand. I, I love Philly. But when he was healthy, he was he had an 83.9 pass rush grade from Pro Football Focus, which was fifth in the NFL. He finished the season with a pass rush win rate among defensive tackles with 17.8%, which is third in the NFL behind Chris Jones and Aaron Donald. Like, that is a player. Yeah. And not to mention, guess what team had the most interest in him leading up to free agency? I know it didn't happen because they ended up getting another player, but it was the Indianapolis Colts, where Jonathan Gannon comes from. So I do believe J- Javon Hardy is going to have a big year this year. Ed, I would be surprised if Jonathan, or no, excuse me, if Javon Hardy doesn't have seven sacks. That's Ooh. how I am on Javon Hargay this year. I'm even going to write about it because I really think I'm I'm that passionate about Javon Hargay's bounce back. Uh, I know everybody likes to get stuck in the box score and looks at the numbers. Like, how many sacks? How many pressures? Javon Hargay is going to be a huge impact this year. I really am high on him. And not only that, you have Milton Williams who's going to be fresh legs, not Malik Jackson who was at the end of his career. It's going to be fresh legs, eager to learn right behind yeah. him. Right behind him and Fletcher Cox. It's going to be, these guys are going to be well rested this year. You have, you still have Hassan Ridgeway. You have Raekwon Williams. You have great depth there for once. Young depth there. You don't have the older vets that keep being injured like Timmy Jernigan and Malik Jackson. It's going to be a different year. It's going to be a different year for Javon Hargrave. I think he's going to have at least seven sacks. Well, you know, listen, a lot of his production came later in the year. He kind of uh, got off to the slow start because of the injury, like you mentioned, also because he was adjusting to, you know, a different scheme in Jim Schwartz, that attack system. It sounds easy, but it's really not that easy. You know, you say, oh, all you got to do is attack, but there's more involved than just attack, attack. You know, so we had to learn this scheme uh, with Schwartz. So you couple that with the injury. And then, you know, I think, you know, Javon was really one of the guys that was kind of outspoken about how uh, all this virtual learning that took place last year in the COVID environment really, I think, impacted him maybe more than some others. You know, he was the one guy that kind of admitted that he didn't really even know a lot of his teammates because they're not hanging out in the locker room. They're not able to get together. He's a new guy coming in from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's new to the team. So, you know, I'm not sure how comfortable he was, uh, you know, uh, on the team, to be honest, because he didn't really know the guys that he was uh, sharing uh, the sideline with, you know, especially the offensive guys. So I think that's a third component to why Javon Hargrave probably, uh, you know, for the first five, six, seven games really didn't uh, show what his what the Eagles were paying him, which they're, you know, they're giving him $13 million a year and he didn't live up to that. But then we saw the second half of the season, he came on strong, started to feel a little more comfortable in the scheme with his teammates, the ones he could talk with. Uh, and he was healthy. So, yeah, I think he certainly, you know, when you talk about breakout candidates, you know, you know, Kayvon Wallace being one, Javon Hargrave, I think, could fall into that category as well. Seven sacks is a lot for a defensive tackle. Um, 
but hey, I mean, somebody's going to get sacks. This team is very, I think, is going to be very good at putting pressure on the quarterback because I think that uh, Gannon uh, and Nick Rallis, the linebacker coach, they're going to devise some schemes. I mean, Ryan Kerrigan's going to be kind of in the mix. He's going to be lined up all over the place. So, I mean, that's going to free up guys like Hargrave maybe or Milton Williams or even Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat on the outside and Barnett. So I think this is going to be a very, very good defensive line. Uh, and Hargrave could be that breakout guy, one of those breakout guys on that D-line. Can I pop a beer in here? Your cousin from Boston. Sam Adams Boston Lager is my go-to beer. Not too heavy, not too light. Oh, boy. <sighs> That's – oh, no. Is that on the computer? Sam Adams, Boston Lager, the Boston Beer Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Drink responsibly. If you want to get really confident and amped about this defensive line, please go check out si.com slash NFL slash Eagles and read the recent articles that Ed has been putting out about defensive line coach Terry Rocker. That has gotten me absolutely hyped. I, look, Matt Burke did a phenomenal job last year with this defensive line. Terry Rocker, though, I think is going to just take off. I think they're going to be great and answer respond great under him. I, you know who also I think is a really I think I it really benefits the most from this hire is Derek Barnett. I think Derek Barnett will really relate to the coach like that. I think it's going to be good for him, man. You know I'm excited. So go check out Ed's articles on that. It'll definitely give you some background information on Rocker and make you a little bit more excited and get to know the defensive line coach because I think the Eagles got a good one there. Yeah, I, I think this whole staff, and I wrote about that too. My first impressions of the entire coaching staff, the assistants, were, was was pretty impressive, I thought. I think it's a smart, intelligent group uh, that has a lot of knowledge about the game that, uh, you know, it was interesting to hear, um, gosh, I can't, it might have been Nick Rallis who talked about Jonathan Gannon and how he doesn't have any ego, that he wants to get input from all his coaches and he'll listen to it. And because he knows that if he just does things his way, Gannon's way, you're not going to grow. But if you take input from all your staff, you're going to grow and you're going to get better. You're going to get new ideas, fresh ideas, fresh schemes, and you're going to try these things. Um, so I was impressed with the, the assistant coaches in general. Um, and Tracy Rocker certainly having played the position at a very high level at Auburn. He was an uh, Outland winner uh, you know, in the SEC. Uh, he was a third-round pick of the Washington football team uh, back in the day. He's 54 years old now, I think. Um, but yeah, he, he brings a lot of experience from not only coaching, but also having played the position in the NFL and at a very high level in the SEC. I'm excited. I really am excited. I think this defense is going to be the defensive line. I, I would, they can get 50 sacks. They can. I mean, yeah. it's not like, I know they lost the, they go through defensive line coaches. Like it's no tomorrow anyways. I mean, they had yeah. Daniels back there and they were great with him too. And they're great with Matt Burke. They're great with Chris Wilson and won the Super Bowl, with Chris Wilson. Like they've had, they they swap out defensive line coaches like there's no tomorrow. I I'm not worried at this defensive line's production this year. They have nothing but talent. That's what you're right. That's I, the strength of the team, in my opinion. Right. And, and, if, you, and that, if you remember, people were worried about uh, this pass rush and the production of this defensive line when losing Jim Schwartz. I I couldn't care less when that was a topic. I was like, no matter who the defensive coordinator is, he's inheriting yeah. nothing but plenty full of talent. And what do they do? They keep feeding the riches. So, yeah, they had 49 last year. They're definitely getting 50 this year. I remember they had, they had 49 sacks. Yeah. yeah. I remember Matt Burke, because I wrote about that. Matt Burke really was great. I I was kind of, I thought they would bring him back, but it doesn't matter because they still have a great defensive line coach. They still have a lot of talent on that defensive line that you kept adding to it. Has Matt Burke, and, has Matt Burke landed anywhere? Does anybody yeah, know? He's with the Jets. He's with the Jets. Okay. Jets yeah. So. It's like, uh, 
I think he's a special assistant to the defensive coordinator. So okay. he's pretty much first was with the Eagles when they first brought him in. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think this defensive line is going to be the strength. And I think the offensive line is going to be very good also. If they can stay healthy, you know, they got another year of age on them, you know, guys like Johnson and Brooks and um, Kelsey, obviously. But uh, I think it's going to be a very good offensive line um, as well. But I think the defensive line, I would probably give the edge to the defensive line as being the stronger of the two units. Joshua is going to have a monster year. I say he's going to lead the team in sacks. That's Dakota. I completely agree. Yeah. Well, my pick last year was Fletcher Cox to lead the team in sacks, and uh, I took a bath on that one. He did not lead the team in sacks. But, um, in fact, it was Brandon Graham. But, I, you know, listen, I would love to see them have a double-digit sack guy this year. I mean, I know they like to spread them out, and, you know, sacks are sometimes, the, you know, the result of other guys working hard, and the quarterback will run right into your arms. Um, but I would like to see someone really step up and put up a good dozen sacks this year. Um, if it's going to be anybody, it's going to be Josh Sweat. Yeah, I, th- I think. Yeah. I think he's say, what, here's the best thing about this new coaching staff for a guy like Josh Sweat. He was being limited because this coaching staff had a stigma of the knee, the knee, the knee. We can't put too much on this guy. Now it's a these guys don't know me. I he came out last year. I know he got injured again, and it, but it wasn't the knee. And he came out last year and said the knee's completely fine. I feel nothing with the knee. So. Maybe this is a coaching staff that doesn't know him that well, where he finally gets a chance to prove, hey, I deserve more playing time than, say, Derek Barnett. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll go in a rotation together. I'm not saying don't play Barnett because they're going to play Barnett, obviously, but maybe it's 60 40 instead of other vice versa. Maybe it's 60 uh, Sweat and 40 Barnett. Or maybe it's 50 50 and completely equal. I don't know. But I think Josh Sweat could definitely be lead this team in sacks. He just needs to get more snaps. Yes. Yeah. And listen, you know, listen, I, I I would throw caution to the wind at this point. He's in the final year of his contract. You have to find out if he can stay healthy, if that knee can hold up. If he can't, then see you later. Listen, we have four picks in the first two rounds next year. It's going to be a very good defensive draft next year. I expect the Eagles to really lean heavy on defense, provided Jalen Hurts does what he's supposed to do and, and kind of shows up and makes the Eagles feel comfortable that they don't need to go out and spend a high pick uh, on another quarterback. Uh, because I think they really need to address this defense. And now you need to start finding out about these guys. Avante Maddox is in the fourth year of his contract. Josh Sweat in the fourth year. I mean, let, let's see what these guys can do. If he's healthy, if that knee is you know anywhere near 100%, run him out there for 50%, 60% of the snaps, and let's see what he's got. Well, not only that, he's competing with Derek Barnett for an extension because they're not going to pay both those guys. That's not happening. No. They're not bringing back both. They're bringing back one of them. So if I'm Josh Schwett, I'm doing whatever I can to keep that guy on the bench because I need to prove myself I need that extension. And I think Barnett will feel the same. This is good competition they're going to have this year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, McFear, your best position on this team is either slot or safety. You better go out there and prove you can play either one because everybody in that safety position, Anthony Harris on a one-year deal, Rodney McLeod's on a one-year deal, you're on a one-year uh, Maddox is on a one-year deal. They're all competing to stay on this team now. Yep. You guys inherited you guys. They brought Anthony Harrison. Yeah. Like, you're going to have to, they brought Zach McPherson in. You're yeah. going to have to earn your keep, and you only have a couple positions you can do so with. Because he's not going to be cornerback two this year. Jonathan Gann's not doing that. I don't, I don't, I don't see Avante Maddox starting outside quarterback two. I think Michael Jacquette has a better shot than he does. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see if he starts at safety in place of McLeod if McLeod's not healthy. And then you're going to need a cornerback two. 
Um, and, and I'm excited to see who it's going to be. I mean, listen, even if they don't bring anybody in, I want to see if Chiquette can handle uh, being elevated, see if they can, you know, find a way to get the best out of him. Um, he's a long guy, you know, had one good game and then kind of really hit the skids against the Cowboys. So, um, you know, I, I'm kind of excited to see how he does in, as possible cornerback. There's a new shake. Because the there's those I, I don't want to get Chan and Sullivan again. Because Chan yeah. Sullivan is one of the better slot corners in the league now with the Green Bay Packers, and he's yeah. he's going over there just fine. And the Eagles really gave up on him the first sign of getting burnt. Yeah. Like, How about Jordan Poyer? I mean, Jordan Poyer was a draft pick way back in the Chip Kelly oh, era, and man. he's lighting it up in Buffalo. So I mean, you know, in the league now. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, you, you let go a couple good players there, you know, and Sullivan and. And uh, and Jordan Poyer. Don't don't release a victim of a, a horrible coverage scheme. Yeah. A corner that I mean, you're an undrafted corner that really I mean his first real rookie season it was the worst rookie season in NFL history to be a rookie in, and, and they throw him on an island at corner on an outside corner in this league in this passing era of football. I'm not giving up on him yet. Mm. I, I'm not saying he's going to be the cornerback two of this team, but I'm saying you know I see Jonathan Gannon do good things with T.J. Carey. I see him do good things with Pierre Desaire. Yeah. Like Michael Chiquette could be next. Who knows? But I'm not giving up on these guys. I'm not saying, you know, Shakir Taylor doesn't have a, a role with this team. Shakir Taylor, the guy that picked up from the Colts, he had a role with the Colts. Mm-hmm. He was the backup nickel. I mean, and Kenny Moore got injured and they played Shakir Taylor. So, you know, if I, they brought him in for a reason, he knows the system. So there's guys on this team that you guys might not know who they are now, but that's, that's that shouldn't deter you from thinking that there's they're not set at cornerback too. They're gonna Josiah get- Scott. Josiah Scott could play in the slot or even outside. I mean, he's a guy that for a reason. They they brought him in. I mean, he's he's the new coaching staff, new hire. Right? Josiah Scott. They went out and traded for him. So the coaching staff likes him, you know, because they wouldn't have done that deal if Suriani said no, we don't think he, he looks good on tape or Gannon saw something they didn't like. They wouldn't have made the deal. Right. Um, so there's something they liked, and now they're going to see if they can get it out of him and maybe take him to the next level. It's going to be really, really interesting. I mean, it's a, it's kind of exciting. Everything's kind of brand new, and um, I can't wait till the end of July when everything starts to ramp up again and we start to see these guys in pads because even putting pads on changes the, the dynamics of things. We'll see how these guys look in pads. Ed and I were talking about this, and he made some interesting points, and I agreed with him completely. But then I thought, because he disagreed with me on this, and I thought, well, let's gauge our audience. Let's let's talk on the the show about it. Jason Kelsey is an Eagles legend and should be among the ranks of Brian Dawkins, Brandon Cunningham, Reggie White, so on and so forth. McNabb, Westbrook, Jason Kelsey deserves to be in that. That's here. Do people agree with that, though? Because that is absolutely correct. That is the best center in Philadelphia Eagles history. Yeah. One of the best centers to play football, if you want me to be honest with you, because Jason Kelsey is an anomaly. You're not supposed to be that size and be that good at playing center in the NFL. That's not heard of. That's mm-hmm. not a thing. You're thinking of Kevin Mawai. You're thinking of, of Jamal Jackson, Hank Fraley. You're thinking of Ryan Kelly. Like, you're thinking of Marquise Pouncey, like so on and so forth. I can go on for days about centers. None of them are Jason Kelsey's size. Not even close. Those centers are not supposed to last in this league, but Jason Kelsey is not only done so, he's on sort of an all-pro level. He is a legend in this team, and he's he's in the tier of Brian Dawkins and Reggie White to me. And I, I, I agree. 
I agree. Listen, you know, it's easy to quantify numbers with players like Dawkins and, you know, some of the greats in, in history because they play a position where you can look at the numbers. The offensive line doesn't get the acclaim because there's really no number you can look at. I know PFF has these these grades they give out for pass blocking and run blocking and su- stuff like that. But um, you're right. I mean, listen, just what you have with Jason Kelsey is – He's a great speech giver in a mummer's costume. We saw that, you know, uh, at the art museum after the championship parade a few years ago. But man, he's he's uh, he's started. A, he's going to start his hundred and sixth straight game on September twelfth, provided he gets through training camp. You know, he hasn't missed a game since I think it was like October of twenty fourteen, and that that's just insane to have that kind of an Ironman streak. And he's a three time. Uh, first team all pro player. He's been to three Pro Bowls. Um, what he's meant to this team in terms of leadership. I mean, you talk to Jason now, and he's almost—it's almost like talking to a coach. You know, who I think he'd be a terrific coach when his career is over. But it's almost like talking to a coach. He knows the ins and outs of the game and blocking schemes and what defenses are doing. Um, and, and you know, he's had a, a great long career. I—I I think he's a Hall of Famer for sure. Um, you know, I hope that that day comes when he does get inducted. He's certainly not going to be on the first ballot, but I, I think at some point his number should be called. His number, I think, will be retired, uh, be up in the ring of honor for the Eagles someday. It should be. Um, but he's just meant so much to this organization um, on and off the field. Uh, you know, I can't speak more highly of Jason Kelsey because I just think he does everything well as a person and as a football player. I actually got a pretty good quote um, from Julian Vaudervelde, his backup center back in a couple of years uh, past. He says, Jason Kelsey has shaped the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line as much as any coach, executive, or draft pick has ever since he's been on the football team. Yeah. And we're talking about, you know, one of the best offensive line units from really back in 2013, they had Evan Mathis, they had Jason Kelsey, they had Todd Harriman's, they had Jason Peters. I mean, that's, was an Elaine Johnson as a rookie. That was an elite offensive line as is there. It was no different than what it's been now with with uh, Peters, Kelsey, Brooks, Lane, and Sayomalu and Wisniewski. No different. Yeah, very elite offensive lines ever since Jason Kelsey's been there. So that's some very high praise right there to say that Jason Kelsey is one of the main orchestrators of these great offensive lines. And you know the the, the proof is in the pudding, right, Ed? I mean, yeah, those are good because of him. He's the one who calls the plays. He's, He's the been same. the one constant through through all the years. He's been the one constant. And it's amazing to think that he was a sixth-round draft pick. You know, he went to the University of Cincinnati to play linebacker. You know, he was recruited as a linebacker. And then he got to Cincinnati, and they asked him how he would feel about playing on the offensive line at center. And he, he was all on board. Um, so just to think about the story, where he came from, and um, how he developed, and how he, he has really put this great career together. Uh, is really something that should be admired and should be praised and uh, at the end of the line should be rewarded with a Hall of Fame spot. Oh, uh, yeah. I think he's a, he should be a future Hall of Famer. I think he's one of the best centers to play football, to be honest with you. And there's been some yeah. great centers in the NFL history. But I think he's yeah. among at least the top five. I definitely believe so because he defied all the odds to play the position. He did so at a high level, an all-pro level, for years on and years forth. You thought he didn't get enough national rec- recognition, and I thought – I, I feel like every time I watch a stream or a Fox broadcast of the Eagles or Sunday Night Football, he gets nothing but uh, a mom's praise. I mean, maybe not 
Hall of Fame praise that we're giving him as an Eagles legend, but I, you know, he that's the one player that analysts always refer to on the Eagles as one of the best players in the NFL. I thought he did, but you think you can deserve some more? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure he gets enough national recognition, to be honest. Because of his size, I think he gets overlooked. You know, um, you, know you hear about Frank Rag now and, uh, you know, uh, Corey Lindley, Lindsay now, I think, in San Diego is getting a lot of uh, publicity. I mean, there always seems to be other centers that are talked about other than Jason Kelsey. I mean, yeah, guys will mention him, but, I, you know, they don't put him kind of, you know, at the top, in my opinion. And I think he's one of the top centers in this league and deserves to be talked about more. I, I just don't think he's given enough credit nationally. Um, and, I, and I don't know why I feel that way. I just don't think that, you know, I, I, that he does. I really don't. Well, that's why we had to finally bring up that topic on on, on air. We had to discuss it because if, if you guys don't think that, you're wrong. He's literally yeah. one of the best. And I keep trying to stress it like you can't be that size and play center in the NFL against defensive linemen that are triple your size at the rate that Justin Kelsey does and be that successful, be an all pro. It just doesn't yeah. happen. It's uncommon. That's in the Hall of Famer right there. Drew Brees should be as great as a quarterback completion percentage as he is because of his size. And he's one of the best of all time because of that. Yeah. Same here, same thing here with Jason Kelsey. Same exact thing here. Jason yeah, Kelsey. Right. One of- yeah. I'll tell you, this is going to be weird when the day comes when he's not lining up at center anymore and he's no longer on this team. It's just going to look funny to look into the middle of that line and not see Kelsey there, you know, setting the setting the line calls. And um, it's it's going to be an adjustment. But it might not miss a beat because they got one of the best center prospects they could have possibly gotten in in the draft. Yeah, yeah. it, It may not miss a beat, that's for sure. Yeah, it's just going to look funny. That's all. It's going to look funny, though. That day that that comes, it's going to... No, no dry eye in Philadelphia when that man leaves. Yeah, you're right about that. That is the king of Philadelphia. And yep. I wanted to get <laughs> don't depress us. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go on one more topic with you here as we wrap up the stream. Um, because you know, I really, really wanted to start debating this. I think Travis Fulgham can be the real deal for the Eagles. I think he could be in cement the X receiver role for this team, a team that really hasn't really had a true X receiver consistently in, in years, really, since Macklin. Macklin was always the X to Deshaun Z. They haven't really had consistency at that position. Alshon, you know, besides the Super Bowl year, eh. I know 2018 was good, but eh. They haven't had consistency at that point. I think Travis Fulgham could be that for them, right? especially in the system. When you look at this, these offensive play callers, they went through Michael Pittman's growing pains last year in Indianapolis, and they did a fairly great job with him. He's one of the better rookie wide receivers in the league. And, you know, for what people say, the guy doesn't catch the ball. He only had four drops last year. So uh, for a rookie that had drop, drop issues at USC, the, the ex of the Indianapolis Colts, they went through his growing pains, and they did it just fine. They developed it, and they got a really productive young receiver that to pair folk rivers. And then you look at Los Angeles, Mike Williams. You know, Mike Williams is inconsistent. He gets injured. But the Chargers and Shane Seichen was a part of this. Kept going through that, going through that, going through that, and getting the best out of him. I have full faith that they can get the best out of Travis Fulgham for what he showed me. Uh, I'm not going to doom him. I'm not going to blame him for what happened when this coaching staff, this previous coaching staff showed you, proved to you that they could not develop receivers. When young receivers struggled, Doug Peterson wasn't bailing them out. 
That's for dang sure. This offense wasn't bailing out these young receivers. Nelson Aguilar couldn't catch a break. Jordan Matthews couldn't catch a break. All these young receivers, J.J. Osega Whiteside can't catch a break. Jalen Rager couldn't catch a break. Travis Fulgham couldn't catch a break. I'm not going to blame him for what happened with them going to a wide receiver that had no future with this team at all. They had You and I joke about this consistently. They, they, they No reason Sean Jeffrey should have touched that football field over Travis Fulgham. You ride with those young growing pains. You don't put a veteran in that had no future with this team in over him and completely take away his playing time. That's ludicrous. But what Doug Peterson done at the, has done with the wide receiver position has been ludicrous. I mean, it's it's been ludicrous since Trip Kelly in 2015. So I'm not going to blame Fulgham for dealing with coaches that couldn't develop young players. I think there's something real there. I think there is something that they can develop there. And, you know, his coaches, his play callers, have been successful with struggling exes in the past that are young guys. So I, I really do think Travis Fulgham's going to have a bounce back here. I do think he has a prime future with this team. I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to be a 1,000-yard wide receiver every year, but I think he's going to be a consistent X receiver for this team, and he might get you 700 yards every season that he starts there. That's good enough for me. That's all he needs to do, really. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, if they put Ward on the field, they're going to put Rager and, and Smith on the outside. So, you know, they're going to get Ward some time in the slot. Um, so Fulgham's going to have to make the most of his opportunities. You know, he had that great five-game stretch last year. I think he had 34 catches, 435 yards, four touchdowns. Um, and then the pro- the progression just stopped. And the Eagles are, you know, and even Aaron Moorhead, when he talked to us, they kind of kind of pinned that on, on Fulgham, you know, saying that, you know, the game was about adjustments and maybe he didn't handle the adjustments well. He got a little dinged up. Um, so there, the party line is, is that, Fulgham has to understand that, you know, he's got to adjust his game to what defenses are doing to him. And they make it sound like he didn't do that. I don't know if that's true or not. I would have liked to have talked to Travis and, you know, hopefully, you know, that time will come this summer when you can kind of grab him maybe one-on-one or with a handful of other reporters and ask him these questions, see how happy he was. But um, that's kind of the Eagles party line is that it was Fulgham's fault, not theirs. It was Fulgham who didn't adjust well. uh, And that's why they played Alshon Jeffrey, which to me doesn't really seem that legitimate. I mean, last I checked, Alshon Jeffrey is still not on a team. Um, No one has signed him. I mean, his, his career could be over. Um, I imagine he'll get signed at some point in the summer, but uh, that to me was egregious to, to not let him try to adjust or try to figure things out to let him understand that, okay, well, that defense is doing this. So you have to do this. You know, they didn't spend that time. I don't think to kind of get the best out of him. Um, And now I think this new staff will, um, but again, how much opportunity is he going to get? You say 700 yards. Yeah, maybe, but he's got to get the time on the field too. And, you know, right right now I know they think a lot of Greg Ward. uh, So if Ward's going to get that time in the slot, you're going to have Rager and Smith, you know, more often than not lining up on the outside. That's a good point. I I, I think Greg Ward's wide receiver four, though. I, I don't I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. But uh, I do like Fulgham's chances in this new system. Uh, yeah. The reasons I stated before. I. What do you think, Ed? Though, what is what is your gut tell you? I mean, because Travis Fulgham showed real potential, and it wasn't something that you should just scoff at or, or look different at because he handled press well, he handled zone coverage well. I mean, he went toe to toe with Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey, and he played fairly well in that game in Baltimore, and he played well in Pittsburgh as well too. I mean, he took he handled NFL corners, he handled Stephen Nelson, who Eagles fans pined for. 
Like th- this isn't a guy that was that looked bad against easy corners. He he played really good against some really good corners in this league. What do you think? Yeah, well, listen, I, I was at that Pittsburgh game, you know, out there at Heinz Field, and, you know, he had 10 catches for 152 yards. I mean, he was catching everything that was thrown to him. And it's like, you know, we're sitting there. I'm sitting next to, you know, Nick Fierro, I think it was, from the morning call, or John McMullen even, and we're like, we're trying to see who caught the pass, and we're like, was that Fogum? Yep, it was Fogum. He was catching everything. So, you know, that I don't think that's a fluke. No. I think that – you know, that five game run that I mentioned, I think really showed something. I think this guy has the ability uh, and now it just has to kind of be brought out and, and heightened and, and, and lifted up. And that's what you hope the staff will do. But yeah, I think, I think, you know, he'll be a legitimate receiver on this team. I think he's one of the four receivers that you're going to see coming out of camp. And, you know, the, the battle for that fifth or possibly sixth spot is still to be determined, but I think Fulgham's got a spot on this team. I think he showed the ability. I think, uh, you know, shame on the Eagles for not really sticking with him last year and kind of going with Alshon Jeffrey. Um, but this team was a mess last year. So, I mean, you know, Wentz wasn't throwing the ball well, and then and then Jalen Hurts came in, and, you know, his favorite target was Greg Ward. Um, so he went to Ward a lot. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think Fulgham's problems last year were more the Eagles' problems than they were Travis Fulgham's problems. I completely agree. I think Travis Logan's going to be a good a good piece for this team going forward. And imagine if he does work out. Imagine they do develop him and and, and Rager is as advertised and Smith is as advertised. You have your three wide receivers for years to come and are on favorable contracts. Like that's that yeah. you're set. You give Jalen Hurts his trio for years to go, and then you go pay Dallas Goddard, which I saw you say he might end up being the highest paid tight end if that contract comes for uh, fruition. He, yeah. he, you really you think you think if the next contract Dallas Goddard signs, he's going to be the highest paid tight end? I don't know. I don't know about that. I think I think Goddard, if they give him a fair deal, and I, and and I'm not sure the Eagles are going to go into that stratosphere and make him the highest paid tight end. Um, but I think if they come close, that I think Dallas will sign the deal. I think he wants to get a deal done uh, before. Uh, training camp or, or before the season starts. So if the Eagles are, are making him a fair offer, an offer that's close to, you know, the big contracts that Kittle has and Kelsey and, you know, some of these other tight ends that signed, I, I think Dallas will sign it. I do not think he'll sign a contract or, or get an offer of a contract to be the highest paid tight end in the league. I just don't think that will happen, but I think he can get probably into the top maybe three or four or five. Um, but I don't think he'll be number one now. I think Austin Hooper's contract has to be your starting point. Yeah. And you just Austin go from there. Yeah. yeah. I think you just go from there. And because uh, you, again, when you give these extensions out, people are going to be like, why are you giving him that much money? What has he really proven? He's sat behind Hurts all these years. You're paying for the future. That's what I hate when people lose the contacts and extensions. You're paying for what you believe that player is going to be for you for years to come. Yeah, that's sometimes, what yeah. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. It didn't work out for Carson Wentz. Uh, it, you know, it didn't work out for some other players, but you know, you would hope in Dallas Goddard's case that it would work out that you're paying him on the future. And yeah, you're paying him for the past. I mean, he's, he's put up some pretty good numbers in that tight end two role behind Zach Ertz in, in, in the limited time that he had. And it's not really limited, but you know, he didn't play. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think that, yeah, you're, you're paying on past and future performance in Goddard's case. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I th- at least Austin Hooper's contract is the starting point, and then you go from there. I, mm-hmm. I think that's actually the section that gets done. Now, imagine if they get that section done during training camp. Imagine if you're Zach Hurts. 
that section actually gets done during training camp instead of Ertz's last year. Oh, man, that's going to be – you better have Ertz off the team at that point. Well, I think you're going to need Ertz off the team at that point because they don't have a lot of money to do anything with contracts at this point. Uh, you know, So something's going to have to get resolved with Ertz so you can have that $8.5 million to, uh, to kind of float out there to Goddard you know, and, and maybe somebody else. So you know, they need to get that resolved before they sign Dallas Goddard, in my opinion, because they don't have the money. I mean, they can't do a deal anytime between now and – until they make some moves, they just don't have the money uh, to give Goddard at this point. And I mean, Ertz doesn't want to be on the Eagles. Like we know that. We we know right. that. We've been reporting that for a while. Jeremy Fowler keeps reinstating it as well. But uh, it, it's Ertz and the Eagles are done. It's not going to happen. So uh, if that's what's going to be the holdup in giving Goddard a new deal, you better get on going. Figure they out will. That situation out. Yeah, they, they will. will. Yeah, it's going to be resolved before the end of training camp. That's all I know. That's all I know. Yeah. You know, another one last thing I want to touch on. We got to give a shout out to Carl Nassib, the, the Penn State legend. I mean, great player in the NFL. He's been on the, he got drafted by the Browns originally. He's been on the Bucks. Now he's on the Raiders. Just openly came out and been the first NFL gay player. Good for him. You know, great for him. I really love to see NFL players take initiative to think, you know, in this day and age, these athletes are such role models to people. I mean, I grew up idolizing Brian Dawkins. I idolized Tio. I idolized McDad. That was my era. I mean, we have Giovanni does the show with us, and everybody knows Giovanni. He idolizes the ground Carson Wentz walks on. We have these guys who just can be our heroes. And to set that example, like the Carl Nassim is doing, it was, it, it's going to just be so great for everybody that's hiding that doesn't feel confident enough to be themselves and look at the nfl player being comfortable being himself in a league where you know that's it's not widely accepted it hasn't really been accepted it has they have this is going to be the first active nfl gay player like great on him congratulations i, I couldn't be happier for the guy because he could finally be comfortable being himself and he was be able he had the confidence to be able to do so and i hope that his lesson is taught to the rest of the people out there because we can do so much better when we uplift each other instead of tearing each other down. So shout out to the Penn State legend, Carl Nassib. I had to end the podcast getting a little shout out because, I mean, it blew me away. It really blew me away, Ed. I mean, that's it was from out of nowhere. It was just from out. It was just a little uh, video that he shot at home. And he's a local Philadelphia guy. He's from Westchester, Pennsylvania. Yeah, um, Malvern Prep. Yeah, Malvern Prep. His brother was a backup quarterback to Eli Manning. Um, so, you know, I, I agree with you hundred percent, man. I, you hope that he makes it easier for others to come out and feel more comfortable with who they are and the truth that they are, um, more pro athletes, you know, in any sport, it doesn't have to be the NFL. It can be major league baseball, uh, you know, the NHL, uh, you know, the NBA, I mean, any sport, any, anything, um, I, I, you hope that it does make others feel comfortable and we get to the point where this isn't such a breaking news type of story that it's just become an acceptable uh, situation that, you know, but I, yeah, I, I give him a lot of credit for having the courage, um, you know, to do it and the integrity to do it. And uh, you know, great for him. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm, I'm happy for, you know, the NFL and any professional athlete who feels this way. Now let's go. He paved the way. Let's, you know, let's follow in his steps now. 
That's absolutely my point. I mean, he's showing everybody be comfortable being who you are. And that's yeah. that's the best message you can give to the world because everybody should black, white, brown, yellow, whatever you are, fat, skinny, anything. You should feel comfortable in your skin. You should be happy being yourself. And that's what the message that he's trying to show you, because I see a lot of people that, you know, took his message as another thing or were crude or were rude about it. That's not it doesn't it doesn't matter that he's gay. It doesn't matter who he loves. It doesn't matter who we love. It doesn't matter who you love. Be yourself. He's trying to tell you to be yourself and be comfortable being so at the highest stage. And if a professional athlete at the highest stage can do so, so can you. And you should be comfortable in your own skin. So we could be so do so much better uplifting than we do tearing each other down. In a world of social media where we hide behind computers and we feel strong enough to be mean to somebody, just, just stop. Just stop. Just uplift. We're so much better when we uplift each other. It can make the world a better place. You could do so by doing your part. Thank you, Carl Nassif, for being confident enough to be yourself and being open about being yourself. I hope your message falls on others as they do so as well. And that's how we're getting the, the podcast. Thank you guys so much. Again, we're doing a little bit giveaway right now. You, we're going to give two of our followers. They're going to get Jalen Hurts jersey once we reach 1,000 followers on Twitch and 50 subscribers on YouTube. Those aren't huge numbers. We're just trying to reach these goals, reach these feats as we become more immersed in the podcast and live streaming world. So once we get to 1,000 followers on Twitch and 50 subscribers on YouTube, two of our followers will get a Jalen Hurts jersey. We're excited for that giveaway. Go ahead, sub, follow, turn the notifications on the YouTube channel, the Twitch channel. And again, always tune in to uh, Eagles Unfiltered, Everywhere you get podcasts, Ed and I are going to be killing it with the podcast coming up. Now that the Sixers season's over, we're going to focus on talking more Eagles. They're coming up. It's coming, baby. The topics are rolling. As you can see, you know, I thought Ed and I came up with a great lineup for this show tonight. You know, most of these shows are struggling to figure out what to talk about. They're asking you for ideas, but we just did this whole entire rundown and talked about Xavier Howard, Javon Hargrave, uh, so on and so forth. And we had some great interaction. There's so much more to talk about. I mean, there's always something to talk about with the Eagles. Always something to talk about. And we want you guys to join us. Yeah, just let me, let's just be clear. So when we hit the thousand and the fifty, it's going to be a random follower. It doesn't have you don't have to be the thousandth follower no, uh, for the fiftieth follower. It's just a random drawing. Once we hit those numbers, we're going to go and we're going to draw uh, two two uh, listeners, right, or two subscribers, and then they'll be the grand prize winner. It's a great yep. giveaway too. I've seen a lot of excitement over the Jalen Hurts. Uh, jersey. Oh, uh, I mean, people want that number one jersey. Yeah. I got one. I had to get one. I mean, that number one jersey is nice. Of course, I got one, right? But again, you can go to our our merch shop. I put the drop. I'm going to drop the link. We're in the chat right now. You can, you know, James, our graphic designers, make us a great, great, great apparel on there. Uh, check it out. Support the show. Uh, Giovanni shirts proceeds go to him. The rest go to James and his great work that he's doing with us. Guys, thank you for tuning in. We will see you soon. We're every episode now of the podcast, we are live streaming on our Twitch and YouTube channels. And as always, you can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts right after the conclusion of the show. SI.com slash NFL slash Eagles for your up-to-date Eagles coverage. Thank you so much for guys for tuning in. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.